0: what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Again, I've been asking you throughout this entire series, are you sensing that
1: brush, that sense of angels' wings? In reality, just a, a phrase that is intended to apply to our lives in the sense of the presence of God, presence of God with us, around us, among us, with us. This morning, however, I want to point the question in a slightly different direction. I want to ask you Are you responding with the glory to God in the highest? I don't know if you want, you're welcome to open up the songbook that's on that rack in the back of the pew, just bracket by the pew. That's a few years old. Under the chair just in front of you, 1002 is, is the song that we've been singing throughout this series. And one of the things you'll notice about the songs, The angels hear the good news of God, and they sing glory to God in the highest, amen? But the song, it's very interesting because the angels sing it in the first verse, and all creation echoes back. They have to respond to the good news of God. Mary and Joseph, we're called to respond to what they're doing as our hearts unfold that great song of love. Every single verse has this sense of responding. And yes, we need to be a people who's Ears, eyes, hearts are attuned to the idea that God is with us, God is among us. And on occasion shows up in the most unusual sorts of ways. But every time God shows up and as part of that continual sense that we are a people filled with the Holy Spirit both in the sense of individually filled with with the Spirit but also as a corporate body. The more language in the New Testament really surrounds the idea, not so much of you, Natalie, having the Holy Spirit and filling you, but us as God's people having the Spirit built up within us. And when we affirm that truth, it will always call. Can you say always with me? Always call for us to respond. And whatever form it takes, it should always Ring with glory to God in the highest. Amen? Whatever our response would be, even if it isn't spoken words, whatever it may be, it is about the idea that we sense God among us and we say, hallelujah, we say glory to God in the highest. This Sunday, Luke introduces us to two more people who are responding faithfully to God's presence in their lives. The first of those is a man named Simeon, one of my favorite characters from this little unfolding of the story, and one that is so quick for us to kind of turn the page. Oh, Jesus was born, the angels show up, let's get on with the rest of the story. We may miss the Simeon song. Simeon is introduced to us as this man, he uses two words that are particularly important, righteous and devout, and then he turns around and describes him as someone on whom the Holy Spirit rested. You need to see this as as one of these unique people prior to... The resurrection of Christ and prior to the day of Pentecost when the promise of Scripture, and again Luke will develop this very fully, that the Spirit is always moving but it is not among all of us. It is not on all of us until that day of Pentecost and the promise comes that through the blood of Christ and through the resurrection out of the waters of baptism, we become people who share in that idea of the Holy Spirit. It isn't as common. Although the Spirit seems to be moving constantly, this is a person, a unique person, Simeon is, on whom the Holy Spirit rests. He was righteous, and this is a word, again, when when Luke uses it here, we kind of have to kind of look at the rest of the Scripture, and particularly, we look at the Old Testament and say, where does that word get used and applied to different people? And you might think of somebody like Joseph. But that's not the word that's applied to Joseph. You might think of somebody like David who has a heart, uh, his heart was after God's heart, a man after God's own heart. But this is not the word that's used to describe David. In fact, this word only gets started being picked up when we come to the time of the prophets, that is to say the people who were looking forward to God's coming in a very unique and powerful sort of way. The biblical writers pick up this idea of here is someone who's looking for God. Here is someone who's looking for what God's doing. And maybe most importantly, unlike so many of the people that missed who Christ was during his lifetime, again, most of the established leadership of God's people wanted to crucify him rather than acknowledge that he was the Messiah. Instead, like the prophets of old, Simeon is someone who is engaged with God in such a way that he is waiting for and looking for and going to not only look for, but is going to find God's Messiah. Amen? Devout is also a very unique word. The only person in the Old Testament that gets gets applied to is Abraham himself. And so in a very powerful sort of way, Luke writes the story in such a way as for us to say, here is Abraham to whom the promise is made. That through your line, through your seed, through your people, God's Messiah would come. And Simeon stands in this place and says, I, like Abraham, want to say that here is the one coming. This is the one that God has promised. He was righteous about and the Holy Spirit rested on him. I would invite you to pick up with me. Uh, by the way, isn't it great to have Gene and Dana with us today? Somebody say amen. We're really glad they're here. And Gene, thank you for agreeing to be our reader this morning. I've lost them. Where are they? They're the, okay, goodness gracious, that's terrible to lose you right there. <laughs> means my eyes are not working as well as they should. Starting with verse 28, which is where Gene ended. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's mother and father marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them. Powerful words. Again, thinking about Abraham and the way he blessed his, his children, the way he would pass on that blessing. Blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign. Isn't this amazing? We're in the first page of this story. First moments, days of his life. And there are already people. And by the way, he is already connecting Isaiah story about God's servant, the servant of the Lord, whom you read about particularly in Isaiah 53. This is the one on whom his, he bears stripes for my sins. He is punished for what I've done. Isaiah, um, Simeon is already kind of latched into that idea and understands the child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against by his own people, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. This is not a word mothers want to hear, is it? Parents want to hear. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Mary, Joseph, you too will have to figure out what you're going to do with Jesus. Because he is your son. And, and you need to picture just for a minute here. This is probably a very old man. Who is speaking to this couple with their very first baby. And this baby is not. I, I, love, I love the song we sang. Behold our God. Amen. And, and, and the climax. of the, Behold our God seated on his throne. High and exalted. Right. Well guess what. The Lord is the little one wrapped up in swaddling clothes. Hopefully they've gotten cleaned in the next last few days, but dependent, completely dependent on those two people to make sure he's cleaned, he's fed, and he's protected, totally helpless. And yet Simeon says, here is this one in your arms that will cause you to have to stop for a minute and say, where is my heart going to go with this one? What will I do with this one? Within Simeon's story, and I've already sort of alluded to it, is another powerful affirmation of who Jesus is. Again, that John is born and and that it happens exactly the way the angel says, that Elizabeth in her old age is still able to conceive, conceive together with Zechariah. Mary, who questions, can this be this way? I I still don't know a man. And, and, And God says... The Holy Spirit's going to do something creative like he did at the very first day. The the Spirit hovering over the the unformed earth, he's going to hover over your womb. And something new is going to be created. And if you doubt me, go see Elizabeth. She's going to hear about it. That the shepherds are introduced to this incredible idea that in a manger in little old Bethlehem is the king of all kings Simeon now joins in this affirmation of who Jesus is. It comes forward in three different statements. First of all, in identifying who Simeon is, it is said that he is looking forward to the consolation of Israel. By the way, this is not the idea that Israel is going to get the consolation prize. Don't hear that kind of thing. This is a unique kind of wording, and, and particularly it's not a consolation of Israel, but it is the consolation of Israel. The word used here is, is relatively common, particularly in, in its verb form, but in its noun form it is also quite common to hear. It's kind of like the idea of an encouragement, the affirmation. For instance, Barnabas's name Son of encouragement is this word. Son of consolation, almost, if we were to use the way it's translated here. But particularly important are the way Paul, Luke uses this word in two passages. In six twenty-four, the rich man has come up and said, "You know, what do I lack?" And Jesus says, "Sell everything." And then Jesus said, "It is really hard for the rich because they've already received there." And your text may record it as reward. It may include the idea of already received, if it's consistent, in his consolation. That is to say, he's gotten all he's going to get. And then, in 1625, we have this parable about Lazarus who uh, waited outside the gate of the rich man. And Lazarus dies and goes to the bosom of Abraham. Don't ask me why or what. Goes to the bosom of Abraham and there... The rich man also dies, and he wishes for Lazarus to help him. And the language that's used there is, no, no, no. You had your consolation in this life. Lazarus now receives his. It is this idea of the salvation of God. It is the eternal purpose that God has had. This fulfilled word of encouragement, Israel, I have never left you. Let me affirm again that I am your God. And while Israel will look different by the time Jesus' ministry is over and the apostles begin to spread the word of who God is, God is fulfilling His promise, His consolation. And He was looking forward to that. Again, this aligns Him so in such a key way with those who are described as the righteous in the Old Testament. They were looking forward to God fulfilling His promise. That final true and full exhortation and encouraging word. The second phrase is that he had, that he would, before he died, see the Lord's Messiah. Now, there may be a sense in which he may have interpreted this as I'll, I'll see one more king come to the throne because that word, Messiah, chosen or anointed one could be used in terms of that and many people might have interpreted it with the idea of we're going to get rid of the romans and get an israelite king on the throne and everybody would say hallelujah yes thank you but i think that we see here simeon's dedication to Scripture. Simeon's understanding, more so than so many other people of his time. And it may well be that this is why Simeon is not identified as part of the Sanhedrin or a Pharisee. He may have been, but Luke doesn't identify him that way. Because Simeon is not looking for the Romans to be overthrown. Simeon is looking for the true chosen one. Amen? And I have to just kind of say for a minute not sure that this is all that much of a blessing. Because you don't know when that day is coming. He's not going to die until he sees God's Messiah. How long am I going to live? You've read short stories. You've read novels that kind of play with the idea of if we could live forever, what would happen? And, And again, there's a whole lot of downside to living forever. Particularly in this fallen body. For Simeon, the sense... As every day came forward and as every year eclipsed, how much longer, Lord, how much longer? And for him, faithfully, it was a sense of the Messiah will come. And you know what's interesting, though, is there is no following for Simeon. There are no people that are waiting on bated breath. Wherever Simeon went, they wanted to be there because they knew that Simeon would be the one or one of the ones who would see the Messiah. And when Simeon said, here he is, God's promise, none of that's there. Don't know that that's because Simeon didn't share it? Might be something dangerous to kind of share in that way. Might make him a target for people who didn't really want God's true Messiah to come. But there isn't any kind of large following, any sense of this mass of people who are waiting in the same way that we wait for those last results to come out about election. Here's the determination. We're all waiting. We're watching polls and all that. But when's it official and all those kinds of things? Nobody's doing that with Simeon. Third, in his song, if there was any doubt about what the consolation of Israel was or what he was looking for in the Lord's Messiah he proclaims in his song this fulfilling statement I have seen your salvation this is the one this is the one whom God is sending Simeon was a man of God's word and Simeon was one who was not only on whom the spirit rested but was attentive to that spirit the second person is this prophet named Anna. And we're told that she never left the temple, but she worshipped there. And You need to realize that that word is not just about singing songs, but praying and giving thanks to God. You could be reading scripture out loud and it would be considered worshipping, but she worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. Not necessarily that she lived there, but she was there all the time. This is another one of those examples of the way God uses those unnoticed people that we might put on the list of of kind of at least ones. The ones that we would kind of be sweeping aside. Oh, that's sweet, but you stand over there. There are important people over here. Anna is a widow, has been a widow for a very, very, very long time. You don't grow in your respect in that society by being a widow for longer. And yet she's going to be this one that's identified. It's kind of Interesting to think about how Luke identifies her this way, way, but as the prophet Anna, one who speaks for God, one who delivers God's message. And then we have to find exactly what family she's in and what tribe she's in. And there's at least a good possibility that Luke is reflecting, not just on this moment and, and asserting who she is, he doesn't do this with Simeon. Instead, there's a possibility that Anna is someone continuing to serve in the church in Jerusalem much later in life and filling that role of being someone who goes to the temple in prayer and fasting and hears what God says and shares that with the church such that the church would know who Anna is in Jerusalem. And Luke says, that same Anna that you've heard from, she was there on that day. Now I don't know. She'd have to be really, really old, right? But for some reason or another, Luke goes to extraordinary efforts to identify exactly who this Anna is. And Anna, just like Simeon, begins to praise God. Joins with, right, the angels that appeared to shepherds joins with Simeon, who praises God for what he's fulfilled, and now Anna. We don't have her song recorded for us. I don't know if she didn't sing in tune or what the problem was, but Anna doesn't get a song, which I sort of would love one more song here. But that's not the end of her statement. Her response is like those shepherds who need to go and tell other people. Because, see, there were people who were looking for the redemption of Israel. And they were there in Jerusalem. And she goes and tells everyone, I've seen him, he's here. And you and my guess is, and you won't believe it, but he was born to a little girl from Nazareth. He was born to this family that you've never heard of. But he's the one. Simeon said he's the one, and I want to join with him in saying he's the one. We need to look for him. You see, God became present in a very special way in her life, as he did in Simeon's life. Let's keep the pattern going. As he did in the shepherd's life, as he did in Mary's life, as he did in Elizabeth's, and as he did in Zachariah's. now he has appeared in a very special way. And she can't do anything but praise God and tell other people what she's been shown. To begin today's application, I want to talk about broadly how we can be people who are hearing angels' wings in our own life today. You may be somebody who says, wait a minute, God, God has never showed up. And if he's ever showed up, it hadn't been in wings. And by the way... The biblical picture doesn't include wings it is a a vernacular that kind of connects to us in a unique sort of way how do we how are we aware of God's presence in our lives today how can you be aware of that presence in your life today first of all I want to say powerfully that we are not, we need not be dependent on appearances to recognize that God is with us. Somebody say, "Amen." You might ask why we, why buildings put baptistries right up here at the front. Why they, why they make it something that's kind of always there? Can't we just sort of make that something we pull out every once in a while? That that you know we don't need it that often. Maybe we and boy. Wouldn't it be wonderful if 2022 was a year that really got exercised in that baptistry, right here in our church, amen? That'd be wonderful. Now, we we have it there, and we don't just have it there so that everybody can see. We have it there to remind us. Because the promise, the promise of those who go into the waters of baptism is that they, yes, will receive forgiveness of sins, but they, they will receive forgiveness. The gift of the Holy Spirit, they'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. You are a walking-talking presence of God. if you're a baptized believer. Amen. You may choose to kind of say, "Oh, I want to keep that in a box. That's a little scary." You may choose to say, I don't acknowledge that the Spirit's working. Everything in this life is just natural. I am not sure that your denial overcomes God's promise. Amen? You are filled with that Spirit. And we need not be dependent on this idea of appearances. And by that, I don't mean how good we look. By the way, great sweater, don't you think? I'm so glad it turned off cool today. I knew that you had spent three or four weeks thinking... When is Alan's sweater, Christmas sweater, ever going to show up? And here it is. And for those of you on video, I understand that it does all kinds of crazy things with the lens, but that's not my fault. I'm glad to wear my celebratory sweater. And the whole church said, there we go. And I want it to be cool enough to wear it at least one or two more times. (laughs) It isn't the way we look. We're not dependent on some sort of physical form showing up wings or no wings we're not dependent on this otherworldly voice speaking into our lives there was a time when that was what you depended on because there was no very little access to what God had to say in its entirety totality now as someone who has experienced God's voice speaking not from another person, but from above. I say you better pay attention, you better listen. And as someone who in no way wants to deny that should God choose to intervene in some sort of physical appearance to you, I'm not going to tell you he can't, but I'm telling you that we don't need to depend on those kinds of things. God is using you and God is using me. And I want to say this, this hero Simeon, and this hero Anna. While these angels have appeared in these critical moments, this transition moment after his birth includes someone whose appearance doesn't have anything to do with the presence of angels. Instead, Simeon is said that he came into this in the spirit, verse 27 came into in the Spirit into the temple. Verse 27 gets a lot of different translations. He was guided by the Spirit into the temple. He was moved by the Spirit into the temple. He was uh, led by the Spirit into the temple, depending on what your translation says. But what you need to know is that Luke didn't write it that way. Luke said, this is a person who lived in the Spirit in such a way that he knew That that was the day he needed to be there. And what did that look like? I don't know. Did his his oatmeal swirl a different way that morning? And he said, ah, there it is. Did, Did something happen with the sunrise that made him think today? He, just like me and you, is a person who didn't wait for an appearance of an angel but simply was connected to the Spirit in such a way that he said, I've got to be there now. Amen? I want to be there now. So, he's a little bit like me and you. He's not depending on some sort of miraculous thunder. Instead, he's waiting for the still, small voice and responding to the still, small voice of God. How else are we going to be people who hear the angels' wings in our life Of course, you cannot get past the idea that we must be meditating on the Word of God. And by that, we can't just mean the idea of picking it up every few days and dusting it off and reading a few pages. That is to say, we want to dig into what it has to say. Maybe we go so far as to to place part of it in our hearts. Um, I'm a a Psalms guy, and my new goal for this year is to get get Psalm 1 kind of committed to memory, in which... The reader is called to be someone who meditates on God's Word day and night. And we can't be part of what the Spirit wants to do or hear God's message without meditating on His Word. Secondly, dedicated to prayer. Dedicated to praying. And not just the idea of, I want to tell God what I want one more time. None of this is new. You know this. I'm reminding you. But the idea that we're listening for what God is saying And how God is moving. God, I'm I'm in this new relationship and this person that I've never met before and suddenly I'm I'm engaged with them. What are you trying to teach me through them? How am I supposed to hear your message and your will through them? I'm involved in this new new work in my life and I want to move on to number three at this point because it's combined with prayer is the idea of are you stepping into your service? I want you to see that, that Simeon is constantly in this business of being about what God wanted him to do. Anna was there praying and fasting all the time, doing what God wanted her to do. And this powerful way in which do you have something in your life that you say, that's my service for God. I'm doing that because God has called me to work in this way. If you're looking for something like that, we can engage you in things that you can say, that's my service to God. It's not something easy. It's not something simple. It's not something I get paid to do. It's something I just want to do for God. And it may be invisible to everybody else, or it may be something that it's in front of other people. Whatever it may be, in serving for God, and in letting God fill that up with a sense of, you're working for me. And then in prayer, we have this opportunity to hear what the Spirit is doing in a unique and new way. And if you can't point to something, at this moment, on this day that you say, that's my service to God, I want to challenge you, don't let days, don't let weeks go by without saying, that's my service to God. Finally, I really do believe that what the text reveals to us is that to, to hear God's messages and to participate in His presence, we need to be in fellowship with other christians and other believers and that can be about this gathering it is certainly about bible classes and life groups and any kind of bible study and things like that it's about people that you pray with but i really believe that if we read the way luke develops this idea of being in god's spirit and with his presence and aware of him it is that you don't do that out there by yourself You do that in community with people. Lindley, I'm moving forward. Ultimately, God invites us all. Amen? He says, I want you to be my people. I want you to be aware of my presence. But have we? Do we each day? Or will we say, Here am I. Here am I. And I'm ready to be involved in what God wants me to be involved with. I'm ready to know God's message for my life and for my world today. I am ready to be the servant of the Lord. And there is only one way, only one place. My, here, my willingness to lay my life down can be fulfilled, and that's through Jesus Christ. Do you need a little more hope? Church, do we need a little more hope? Do we need a little more joy? Not just happy, fun stuff, but the joy of the Lord. Do we need a little more peace? And if the answer to any of those questions is yes, then we need to know ourselves and we need to be ready to speak to others. There is only one answer, and that is Jesus. If love is ever going to change this world, and love is what it takes to change this world and my life, then Jesus is the only way that that can be a part of that. And he invites you to come. And I would ask you, if not now, when? And I would ask you, why not now? Won't you come as we stand and sing? Go
0: tell it on the mountain. Oh.